Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the gospel lesson for the epiphany of our Lord, the visit of the Magi to the Christ child. I can remember back in Minnesota having a conversation with the pastor of Elmore, Minnesota, and he talked about going to visit someone in the congregation who had been in the hospital now was home. So he asked another member of the congregation how to get there. And the member responded, oh, it's easy. You just go five miles south out of Elmore, then you take a left at the old Schmidt farm, and then you go about three miles, and you then turn right at the Johnson farm that burned down five years ago. Now remember, he has only been here less than a year. And then you go about 80 rods, and it'll be on your left. Sometimes it's difficult to follow directions and to find where you are going. Even in our GPS world, it doesn't always work out real easy, does it? Uh, we try to make everything easy, but it doesn't. And yet today, we see these magi coming from the east and finding Jesus. How is it that they find our Lord? How, how do they find the Christ child? To understand how they find the Christ child, we, we need to understand who they really are. And, and who they are according to the people that would originally hear this from Matthew. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to answer two questions. We're going to look at who are these visiting Jesus and how did they get there? Because in doing so, then we are reminded of the true meaning of the epiphany. That the epiphany is the revelation that Christ came for absolutely everyone. And it is the Lord who leads his people to himself. And so again, as we think about the visit of the Magi, if I ask you who visits Jesus... What would be your answer? Who would you say is there bringing the gold, frankincense, and myrrh? There's just two popular answers, right? The first is that he's a ki they're kings. The second is that they're wise men. But those really aren't accurate, right? Now, in a few minutes, when, during communion, we're going to sing, We Three Kings of Orient Are. But these hymns are written, and these carols take a little bit of poetic license. They really are emphasizing a spiritual truth, a theological truth, that, that every knee and every authority and every king will bow down before the Lord, and all wisdom has to bow down before the Lord. But to the original hearers, they would not think of these men as kings and wise men. And in fact, if you look at the history of the interpretation of this passage, the idea of the Magi being kings doesn't appear until the 6th century, 500 years after Christ. The idea of them being wise men doesn't appear until the 9th century and becomes part more of the Enlightenment than, than any other thing. Again, these images try to point forward to something else. No, when we hear the word magi, or we see these men coming, we are to remember that there are magi in the Old Testament. And this is what the original hearer would have thought. He would have thought back to Daniel. In Daniel 2, it says, Then the king commanded the magicians, the magi, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to be summoned to the king to interpret his dreams. And so they came in and stood before the king. Notice the magi are advisors. They're the counsel of the king. They are not kings themselves. They do not rule. Now the king looked upon them as wise, but the people of God did not. The whole book of Daniel is a contrast between the wisdom of these practitioners of false religions 
to the wisdom of God revealed in Daniel. The original hearer would hear of these men as being neither wise nor kings, but enemies of God. And so again, who is it that is coming to the Christ child? It's the most unlikely, unworthy group ever to come and worship the king of the Jews. The Magi were enemies of God in opposition. They stood in opposition to Daniel, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and actually connived to get them killed or tried to get them killed. They were idolaters. That's why when Matthew says that they're coming, notice how he does it. Behold, wise men from the east are coming, Magi from the east. Behold, this is shocking that these would come and worship the one who has been born king of the Jews. But isn't that the point of epiphany? That those you would least expect are included in the promises of God. The gospel is indeed, Matthew is telling us, for the unworthy. And if the gospel is for the unworthy, it is for you and it is for me. Because we may not like to think of ourselves that way, but wouldn't we categorize ourselves as unworthy? If you doubt that, here we are at the beginning of a new year. Think back over last year. Were all your decisions really wise? Are, are all the things that you said and you did demonstration of your worthiness of God and his love and of his favor? Do you live a life that, that God has described and demanded? None of us is worthy. So, so we celebrate this with the idea that God is indeed for all, especially the unworthy. So, so that's the first question. Who is it that comes to the Christ child? The second question is, how do they get there? How is it that these non-wise pagan Gentiles find Jesus? Matthew makes that very clear. The Lord led them. They couldn't find Jesus on their own. In fact, they come into Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They couldn't find him on their own. It was a star that God placed in the sky that led them to Bethlehem. As Matthew tells us that they said, for we saw his star when it arose and have come to worship him. And then once they get to Jerusalem, they still need help. And this time it's the word of God. Herod gathers together the, the religious leaders and asks them, where is he that is going to be born king of the Jews? And the answer comes back, it is written by the prophets, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then maybe the most amazing part is leaving Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Where do they, and how do they find him in Bethlehem? And Matthew tells us, and behold, a star that they had seen when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Isn't that absolutely astounding? That the star directed them to the exact location that Jesus was. It wasn't their wisdom. It wasn't their royalty or their authority that brought this about. It was God using his creation, using his word to draw the people to Jesus. And isn't that how our Lord works? How did you get here today? I'm not asking if you drove or you walked or however you got here. But what brings you to Christ? Is it not the Lord? 
But the Lord used people to, to bring you His Word, right? Someone shared with you the Word of God that, that taught you that you needed Christ. You're not going to discover that on your own. You might know that you need something, but you're not going to know that you need a Savior apart from the Word of God. And how are you going to know who that Word of God is except the Word of God, or who that Savior is except the Word of God to tell you that it is Jesus of Nazareth who, who grew up and suffered and died for your sins, went to the cross in your place, rose from the grave so that you would be forgiven and that you would have eternal life. It is God's Word that brings you here. And not only His Word, but a sacrament. When you think about the account given to us of, of Luke, by Matthew of the wise what magi coming to Jesus, notice the general call, a star in the sky that anybody could have seen. And that's the way God's word is. But also, that star that followed, that directed them to the place, that's a personal invitation from our Lord, is it not? And isn't that what the sacraments are? The Word of God announces to you that there is salvation that is found in Christ. And in baptism, the Lord comes to you individually. You are called by name to be made part of the kingdom of God. Jesus unites himself to you so that you could receive his benefits. He invites you to come to his table and he places his body and his blood on your lips so that you receive forgiveness. You receive life. You receive salvation. It can't get any person more personal than that, can it? The Lord is the one who drinks, draws you in. It's the Lord who announces forgiveness. It's the Lord who brings you and makes you part of the kingdom of God. But it is interesting if we go back to the text that after they worship the Lord, God's grace is still with them, is it not? Because they're thinking about going back to Herod to explain what they had seen. But notice God intervenes in their life once again. He'd used a star before, he used the word before, now he uses a dream. He warns them in a dream to go home another way. God's grace followed them as they worshipped and after they worshipped the Christ child. And that's the promise to you today. That as you have now celebrated Christmas, we now enter Epiphany, the season of Revelation, as we begin a new year. The Lord is there. His grace is upon you. The Lord who called you and brought you to himself is the Lord that goes with you and blesses you as you move forward. He keeps you in his grace. He watches over you. He protects you. He provides for you daily bread. He, he brings to you that which you need physically, but even more so spiritually. He brings you comfort. He brings you peace. He brings you healing. He brings you joy. That's the promise that, that our Lord has, that we continue in his grace and we continue in his love. Again, when we see the Magi portrayed as portrayed in the scripture, we see the fullness of God's grace. That God really is calling all people, regardless of their background, regardless of who they are, to himself. And it's the Lord that draws them. And we are reminded that it is for us. We see in this again that the Lord draws you. The Lord blesses you. You are part of his kingdom now, and you will be part of his kingdom forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, to life everlasting. Amen.